the DH. I really like Brent Laurie, and I bet I could watch you smoke your A-Rod all day. But when you're done doing whatever, when you're through playing whoever, you know that the Nats fans will be right here waiting for you. Episode 41. Your ritual grain beetles. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Resting Pitch Face. I'm Kay. I'm Laura. I'm Sydney. And joining us today, we have a special guest. My name is Hannah. I am Sydney's younger but taller sister. <laughs> really? That's how we're getting started. Hey, younger but taller sisters unite. I like it. Okay, Thank well, let's, let's get this all out of the way. She also has a PhD. I do not. She's in a better place known as Canada. I am not. <laughs> Before we get into that, our, our normal sort of find us section, find us on our website, restingpitchface.com. Find us at our Twitter, restingpitchface with no G. You can email us, restingpitchface at gmail.com. And there are links to all this stuff and more, including our merchandise shop on our, on our website. I guess... Canada. <laughs> Canada. Uh, so actually living in Seattle at the moment, but in Canada for the long weekend in lovely Victoria. Away from the smoke or in the smoke? Away from the smoke. It actually hasn't been smoky in about a week or two in this okay. whole area. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if folks have seen like, they shouldn't be playing baseball at Safeco given that they had to put mm -hmm. inhalers on otters, um, oh leading to the headline smoke on the otter, which yeah. I was like, I'm so mad at you right now. <laughs> I mean, you have the chance, you got to take the chance. Do you? Yep. But yeah. like, they should also be putting like little inhalers on Denard Span, Denard Span's beard. Like... <laughs> Denard Span's baby. Denard Span's yeah. baby. Really, that's, I care about one man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> one i guess well, we can transition to canada but we can also just transition to like somebody on twitter who i don't think we're going to link to in the show notes no uh, no because uh she's useless um was like i've been a baseball fan for 20 years mind you she is 28 um and i've never had a man explain nothing to me and everyone's like okay that's well, no. So not only did she say that, she said, if this is happening to you, it must just be because your baseball opinions are bad. Hmm. Which obviously, on its face of it, sit down. Just shh, sit down. Yeah, Holy internalized misogyny, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, one, just because something never happens to you doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Um, and that's what adulthood is realizing, I guess. Like, <laughs> that's what empathy for other people. So, okay. I've talked to people who are like, I've never been catcalled on the street. And I'm like, great, you live in a society where that's not okay. Neat, bully for you. Uh, I've been catcalled since I was nine. So like, come on. Um, and just because it doesn't happen to you doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Yeah, and, and frankly, I'm happy for you if it's never happened to you. That's great, it's not fun. But that doesn't give you the right to tell other people what is and isn't happening to them. Yeah, like, I've never been wakeboarding, but I don't question that it exists. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to think of, like, experiences I have not had that haven't made me question the reality of others. But everybody's personal take is clearly the only correct take. Facts aren't real, you know? I'm not actually sure the infield fly rule is really real. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I'm not, I'm no, not having I, a rehash of, is it a, is our box real? I, I was going to say, we're not going to go to box again, are we? But no. those are definitely not real. I did like, there was something going around, I think Kelly Wallace posted, 
that the real test of whether you're a true baseball fan is whether you can recognize a balk. And my response to that, of course, was that then no umpire is a real baseball fan. <laughs> that is actually fair. Um, somebody I was, who responded to this on Twitter, like, I put on my dating profile that I only wanted a girl who could explain the infield fire rule. Is that not okay? And I was like, unless you are an umpire for the 2012 uh, wildcard game, NL wildcard game, the answer is no. <laughs> and my joke was funny and their joke was not funny. I, I kind of was tempted to be like, well, did it work? Like, well, he is married. I don't know if that's how he found his spouse. I don't think so. What is the quote is men don't want women who can who like sports. Men want women who like men who like sports. Yeah. Yep. And I'm just kind of like, okay, like that's that's nice. Mercifully, I'm free of that burden. So <laughs> Well, in both Canada news and in men who generally are actually funny news, one of our most intrepid listeners, known to us only as Justin from Canada. JFC to his friends. Yes. Justin from Canada turns out to be in a band that sings only songs about baseball it's punk songs about baseball too yes like pop punk and the fact that he neglected to tell me this i I mean his twitter bio is isotopes utility man that's about his (laughs) baseball team i'm reasonably sure i think the band is called the isotopes Laura. they are both called the isotopes (laughs) both his baseball team and his band are called the isotopes i know because i've been invited to the baseball team we need to start um, a, a, a band is what is what we have just gotten from We that. do need to start a band. But the relevance <laughs> to the infield fly rule here is that Justin from Canada linked all of us to a song that he and his bandmates recorded, which explains the infield fly rule very comprehensively, if very quickly. And I would just like to say that from now on, the only way that I will tolerate being mansplained about the infield fly rule is that quickly and with three-part harmony. <laughs> Well, it's not that hard to understand. I'm like, it's a two sentence rule, guys. Like, if it's fairly applied as a different issue, but like, it's not that hard. There's no, 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 no. There's no subjectivity to this. Well, I mean, yes, there is. See, again, (laughs) R-E-N-L wildcard game 2012. But that's a rarity where everybody agreed like that was a mis- like that was a mistake. In general, this is not a rule that's supposed to have subjectivity. Like... No, although I suppose if you just don't call it. Yeah, if you don't call it, but that's being wrong, not obje- like not having a different read on this. I don't know. This is what I didn't want to relitigate, wrong. whether bucks are real or not. <laughs> I don't want to relitigate. I, I, don't, I don't understand why you think umpires are ever wrong. By the way, did you guys see that um, Joe West took somebody's notes from him yesterday? No. Yeah, a pitcher had his notes in his back pocket that he was looking at between, you know, batters. And Joe West was like, no, this is not an open notes game and took them. And everyone's like, they all have notes. Like, their pants have pockets. It's it's not only for, for chewing tobacco. It's also for notes. Like, catchers <laughs> have notes on their arms. Like, this is... It, Who is oh, the pitcher? Because I know Granky does that. Uh, yeah, Granky absolutely does it. Um, Austin something on the Phillies. I was like, Austin Matthews, that's not right. Austin, Texas. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. He he on the Phillies. But yeah, Zach Greinke absolutely looks at his notes. Like, I'm just, I'm just happy of proof that like some of them can read. So (laughs) that was mean. All of them can read probably. But like, yeah. So umpires are are never wrong. We have deviated. The point I was going to get back to was for every man, as Laura pointed out, every man who ever quizzes a woman on this 
this is the only acceptable way now, especially since there are some women who probably understand this better than you. And they would probably be the, aside from the women in the stands, they are probably the women who just competed in the women's world baseball cup, baseball world cup. I can say this properly. I promise women's baseball world cup. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) now that we've straightened out what it's called, if you were not watching the women's baseball world cup, first of all, you were missing out. And second of all, it is your lucky day because all of the games, which were streamed live on YouTube, are still available on YouTube. So if you would like to make up for your poor decision or if you're just not having time to watch it while it was happening, take advantage of the three-day weekend. YouTube.com slash WBSC. Everything is there and it is amazing. So obviously Japan won again. As uh, is anyone surprised? <laughs> no, I mean, as I mean, we, we don't have to go greatly in depth on this yeah. because it's been described much elsewhere. But the fact is that Japan has the most significant women's baseball infrastructure of any of the teams competing, which is to say any, any country at all, anywhere. Wait, um, are you saying if you have an actual development system and put money and time into it, you get a better quality sport than like making women, I don't know, play softball or have to go play catch with like local high school kids? Yeah, I don't know. And like scrimmages two weeks beforehand against some high school baseball team in Florida sounds like it should be really really easily a replacement for having year-round development and training opportunities, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, everyone's just like, hey, they have a professional league, so, like, they look like they're professionals. Weird. Yeah, I mean, the the women on the U.S. team gave a number of interviews, none of which were all that surprising if you've been paying attention to women's baseball in the U.S. for a while, but if you haven't been exactly what you said and what, what I said as well, like, you know, basically begging for opportunities to use equipment and scrimmaging against high school teams and, you know, having to work full-time jobs year-round because there's absolutely no money in women's baseball in the U.S. Um, And yeah, it really does cost a lot of development opportunities for these women. And the ones who are playing softball year-round obviously are getting a lot of development opportunities in a similar game. But again, as we've talked about a lot of times, a game in which things like, oh, hitting pitching, base running, some pretty crucial things in the game are dramatically different. Yeah, and so um, the, the a pitcher for the U.S. women's team, you know, her fastball topped out around 78-79, which is, is good, but we're like, think about that with consistent development. Could right. he add 10 more miles an hour, 5 more miles an hour? Like, there are major league players who, who have pitches like that. Um, right. Pitching Ninja, bless bless his heart and in a good way though uh you know people he was posting a bunch of you know gifts of women of women at the uh tournament pitching and guys in the comments were giving him a hard time like oh her spin rate blah 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 and he's like these are comparable to major league average yeah i have the numbers on that actually if you want them i would like those um somebody named tyler mon who's a minor league writer um i'm not sure if he got these numbers from the broadcast i know they did state a lot of them on the air, but I'm not sure if all of these came from the broadcaster, if he did some poking around as well elsewhere. Um, Spin rates on Ayami Sato, the tournament MVP and ace for Team Japan. Um, Her fastball averages between 2,000 and 2,100 RPM and tops out at 2,264. MLB average is 2,200. So her average is slightly lower, but her highest is hitting that and in fact surpassing it every so slightly. Yeah, she's had an instance of 2,500 at least. That was on her curveball, I believe. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, So for her curveball, it averages between 2,300 and 2,400 RPM. 
the highest on her curve was 2512 and the MLB average for a curve is 2400. So she is MLB average for spin rate on her curve and she's just below average on her average fastball but has reached it on her higher spin rate fastballs. And her curveball has more drop in it than Tanaga's. Oh yeah. Like then, is... then MLB Tanaka, let's be clear yeah. because the Japan closer in the oh, final yeah, was yeah. also Tanaka. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Then like but everyone's like um, y'all, that is disgusting. It's dirty. It's, you know, it's got so much drop in it. The reason that batters are standing there stunned looking, it's because mm-hmm. they've literally not seen a curveball like that before. Yeah. And sort of on a on a tangent, you know, with women's baseball, MLB could support women's baseball financially in in a second. Oh yeah. Like they have that kind of cash lying around. Um, similarly, like, uh, the WNBA, are you guys following any of the stuff about their, their, um, salaries? Some of it. Okay. Um, so basically the idea is better revenue sharing for their athletes who get paid crap, which Mm -hmm. the NBA could support and does financially support the WNBA, um, to a much greater extent than the MLB supports any kind of women's baseball in the U S like, but you know, again, these sports could support the women, you know, men's leagues could support women's leagues in terms of having development in a second and then choose not to. And so it's a case of like, why, why do people feel like they're getting an inferior product in some cases? Because everyone's working a second job. Right. And, and, and they are, MLB is just starting to support some girls baseball tournaments, but it's all very spotty. And so it's not this kind of consistent year round development that you would need. And it's also not supporting the adult women who are currently playing. They're really only just focusing on the girls. And honestly, giving them stuff would be so easy, like yeah. not even beyond like paying them or salaries, just like equipment costs. Um, for hockey, one of the things was like, there was a video of, of a hockey player breaking his stick dramatically because he was mad about something and then he just goes and gets a new stick and whatever. And like women are like, um, if we break one of those, we got to go buy a new one. Like, that's how it is. We can't Mm -hmm. break our stick accidentally in the game, which happens sometimes, um, because like, that's a costly expenditure. Um, and so like, there are these issues of that where it's like, if, if y'all just, I don't know, sponsored equipment, did, did little stuff that reduces some of the, the anxiety of how am I going to get this thing? How am I going to go about doing it? Just the material costs of the game. It, it would be easy and make, I think, the quality of women's baseball, which is good, even better because it's less fraught with these sort of exterior concerns. No, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know how to follow that, but... I guess the only thing I would add is in spite of all of this, in spite of the lack of development, in spite of the lack of resources for many of these teams, the Women's Baseball World Cup was an incredibly well-played tournament. I think it's really remarkable what these women can do, even with their limited resources. I agree that they could do so much more, and I do feel a little bit bitter about the fact that we're potentially robbed of that. I mean, looking at, again, velocity as an example, you know, men's fastball velocity continues to rise every year the average velocity in MLB is going up as we speak. And so when baseball fans who don't like women's baseball because, oh, they can't throw hard enough, act like that's a set fact, when in fact men's velocity has been going up for the last several generations, it's totally nonsensical. Women's velocity could easily go up 
And has. Additional... And, and has, yeah. And how many of those people are watching, and I mean, no offense to this, the Little League championships or the college championships? Do you think they're watching that for velocity? Yeah, I mean, the fact that that ESPN was airing the Little League World Series, which was adorable and wonderful, and they should have been, but not the Women's Baseball World Cup, is not well, surprising to me, but it is disgusting to me. Didn't you post that they were airing freaking Quidditch? <laughs> they weren't airing Quidditch. There was a tweet about the Quidditch World Cup anniversary from the the one that's depicted in the Harry Potter books where Crumb catches the snitch but Ireland wins. There was one tweet about the Quidditch World Cup on the main ESPN Twitter. There were zero tweets about the Women's Baseball World Cup in real life happening right now on the ESPN Twitter. There was also not a single mention, and this is other people vetting this, so I haven't confirmed this personally, um, but other people have gone looking to see if ESPNW had any coverage of the Women's Baseball World Cup. And according to other people who've looked, there was zero. That sounds about right. Yep. But they're supposed to be ESPN for women's sports. I know, I know. We're right here. But women's baseball isn't even considered a women's sport. I mean, this is not... The inroads are so small and the lack of support on an, on any kind of level is so lacking that it's barely even considered a women's sport. Don't women play softball? Don't don't women play what's what is this women's baseball? Like they'll have women's softball coverage, but they're not they it's like they don't it doesn't even occur to them that there is women's baseball that happens. It's not like hockey or or uh basketball where there is we unacknowledged established women's presence. Like well, people, and those just are those are recent. The WNBA less so, but like women's hockey is is pretty recent. Right. Um, so like the CWHL and um the NWHL, it are are definitely pretty recent things, and yet they feel much more established. I I think because there was there was an acknowledged state of women play hockey even before there were professional leagues in which women could play hockey from the Olympics from college right college, yeah absolutely. Whereas, People, it does not occur to people that women play baseball because women, the corollary to baseball is softball, and you don't have that corollary in any other of the main of the main four sports. Yeah, maybe I, football to rugby. Yeah, like, I mean women play football too. Right. No, I know, I know, yeah. but I'm saying like I'm saying the difference between because obviously women play baseball too, but in the mind of of the general populace, it's men play baseball, women play softball, and the idea of a women's baseball anything doesn't even occur to the women who would be presumably covering female sports. Yeah. Because it's not considered a female sport. Yeah. I have to say, first of all, I agree with Laura. It was an incredibly well-played tournament. Um, Laura, sorry to, to change, I guess, the subject very slightly. If people were going to go watch a game, what game would you recommend that they watch? Ooh, that's hard. Um, the Venezuela-US game? That's up there. I think I would say it depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, the Venezuela-US game was remarkable because, um, and, and I'm going to call her a little because she was 17, this little 17-year-old from Venezuela who was on the mound. The US had, um, their games had been called due to, to mercy rule because um, they were they had mm -hmm. beaten their prior two opponents by more than 10 runs in less than seven innings. Um, and this one was just like, a really freaking good baseball game. Um, it was, you know, uh, good pitching, low sort of, uh, you know, a lot of really good fielding and a lot of good uh, plays. Um, I, I was posting that I want a jersey for the um, Venezuelan uh, center fielder Reyes because, like, she she was a previous, I think, uh, tournament MVP and was just a, an amazing fielder. Um, but it was just a really great game if you like 
if you like good pitching, if you like good fielding, if you like Megan Baltel hitting the ball 360 feet, which yeah, Laura, I, I don't know if you do. I, I might like that a little bit. I would, I would say that game for the most balanced, like if you want a little bit of everything, um, you know, reasonably exciting offense with still really good defense and really good pitching. The other one that I would throw in for like my specifically pitching lover types um, as much as it was difficult for me to watch because I was rooting for the U.S., the U.S.-Japan game in which U.S. was almost no hit by Sato. Yes. I would throw that in there for, for consideration if what you really want to watch is just a stellar, stellar pitching performance. I mean, Sato had a no-hitter until the very end. Megan Botzel basically put herself in the middle of it and said, you know what, this stops right here. Um, um, and Laura's she- future wife, Megan Botzel. <laughs> You said it, I didn't. Yeah, you said it on Twitter over Multiple and over again. <laughs> Megan Beltzel, if you're listening, uh, Laura Call would her? Like to vo- volunteer as tribute. <laughs> okay, she was amazing. She hit two home runs in the tournament. She was the only one to do that. She was amazing. But anyway, she had the only hit in that game for the U.S. And Sato was just incredible. It ended in a 3 nothing Japan victory which essentially is what knocked the u.s into the gold into the bronze medal game rather than the gold medal game where they would ultimately lose to canada unfortunately but canada did play really really well i felt that canada and the u.s were pretty evenly matched um the real differences in their games as far as i could tell really seemed to depend on who was pitching and how rested they were canada had an ace and sophie lavallee who then sort of crumbled in a later game between the u.s and canada and and to my un- relatively untrained eye, mostly just seemed like she was still gassed from the previous game where she had thrown mm-hmm. incredibly well. Um, so that was really the difference maker between the U.S. and Canada, um, who went on to play the bronze medal game and Canada won. I, I was going to say, if I could say one to watch, honestly, watch the bronze medal game. It, it was a nail biter in the oh, way... Yeah. Like- the way you watch a game and it just boomerangs back and forth and you're like, I can't stop watching because I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, they went to 10, which in a tournament that typically goes to seven, that's a lot of extras. Um, And I was was debating a little bit why and how I feel about the fact that they only play seven. Because on the one hand, it's like, oh, whatever, sure, like women can only play seven. On the other hand, their rosters are pretty small and most of their pitchers also field. So just in terms of relief pitching, um, given the way that the tournament is set up and given the way that the positions tend to fall, I think it actually, and it, at the end of the day, I do feel like seven makes a fair amount of sense for this particular tournament. But again, if we're talking about development and I'm talking about like, maybe it's just my my dream to have women transition into, you know, MLB, relief pitching is the place that, that women, I think, could make that transition the most easily. True. Um, because, like, a lefty with crazy amounts of movement as as a reliever it, it makes sense. And so the idea that, you know, pitching, that the, all of the pitchers have to, to go field and there's a lot more flexibility in position, absolutely, I understand why that currently is. But in terms of, like, development and thinking about not... Ayami Sato, but like Ayami Sato's successor, whoever she might be, it could go in and be, a, I don't know, a, a sixth inning reliever. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I think that the next step for that, I think we should have expanded rosters next year in this tur- or next time, which is in two years in this tournament. I think going from a 20 player to a 25 player mm-hmm. 
with the ability to carry more pitchers would actually be really useful in this particular setting. And I don't know how much other women's tournaments follow the lead of this one. I'm honestly not sure. Um, but if this is something that's more standard in other women's tournaments in so much as there is a standard for women's tournaments, um, I think carrying a larger roster would be a good step towards that. So I do have one question on this, and it's not a question for you. It's sort of a, a general question, which is, obviously, I agree with you. A more roster would be good. It's more chances for more women. Do we think that that might um, potentially penalize some some other countries that maybe are having difficulty because they have even less development than, I mean, obviously, everybody has less development than Japan, but even less development than, say, the U.S. or Canada where, I mean, we're playing 16 and 17 year olds on the roster because there's no professional situation in place. Do you think that could inadvertently penalize or advantage teams with stronger systems because they don't have to go to pick up, you know, 14 year olds? Well, I mean, it's already advantaging Japan. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, I was reading, so um, expanded roster, speaking of, launched on September 1st. Uh, this is the website that Kelly Wallace in, in Chicago is doing um, as a you know way of, of inclusive baseball writing. And one of the, the articles is about the Women's Baseball World Cup. Um, and it was like the, the two people, the two women she interviewed um, were like, oh, we heard there were open tryouts and we're like, sounds fake, but okay. But very few people even showed up for them. Yeah. Um, and I would say like, Venezuela was actually toying with having a women's professional league is what I found out. And so we are assuming that we have better infrastructure than many countries. That's true. But we don't. We like the the U.S. legitimately has worse infrastructure than a lot of other places. And I think if they were just more systematic about it, if there were if there were more basically like the MLB needs to just throw some freaking money at this. Yeah, um, I mean, Australia has a recently founded league. Um, Taiwan is building their infrastructure called Chinese Taipei in this tournament because China. There, I think it's Mexico that has been building as well, although they weren't in this particular tournament. Um, there are women's baseball presence, and then definitely Venezuela, like you mentioned. So yeah, U.S. I would say is sort of low lower. middle. Yeah, and I think it is because there is a robust college softball infrastructure. Um, and like the Olympic team Mm -hmm. and all of that, but at the same time, and and a lot of the the women who are playing in the cup, um, do play softball, but yeah, we're, we're coming at this, assuming that the U S has its shit together in any way. Oh, no, no. Clearly we do not. No, no. I just mean in general, there are going to be teams that are, I, you know, that have less and then the U S is clearly one of them. If only there was some sort of international organizational body over this that could possibly make some decisions or be a place for money to go to so that it gets development on across the board that's even. Yeah, I don't I don't give the the World Baseball Softball Commission a whole lot of credit. I think that they're moving towards something. I think mm. the fact that there were literally no merchandising opportunities for yeah. this speaks to how little of a priority they've made it. I mean, given it wasn't just us this time screaming, give me a jersey on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It was like everybody. In fact, I think Jade Gortares's mom liked one of my tweets. <laughs> but I want a Jade Gortares jersey. Uh, yes, I want that. I want a, I know you want a Baltzell jersey. I want a Sato jersey. I want, you know, a Reyes jersey. Like, 
shut up and take my money. I will say for Players Weekend this year, they just were like, put who like here's a jersey. You can custom it with whatever name and order it. Like that was the compromise. I'm like, that's perfect, guys. Well, and just talking about like raising the profile and the the really good article about the with the two players on expanded roster talking about how they kind of thought it was a scam. Yeah. When they first heard about it. If there was merch, more people would know it was a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get stopped on the street. Around, whose jersey are you wearing? Exactly. If I go to Nats Park wearing a jersey that says Baltzal on the back, people are going to be like, oh, who's that? Oh, we have a Women's World Cup. Oh, she hits 360-foot homers. That's so cool. <laughs> Where can I watch that? Yeah, and they had brought the infield walls in for the for the Cup, and she hit it over the, the ones that were not brought in. Right. Like, okay, I, I'm glad it wasn't just my eye thinking, those walls look really far in. Yeah, no, they had brought yeah. it in, and then okay. Megan Baltzell was like, nope. No? Uh, Megan Baltzell could hit one over the green monster, and I will swear that to my grave. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> literally everyone's like, that is a no-doubt home run in every stadium, possibly not Fenway, given the location and the height of the green monster, but, like, we want to watch her try. Maybe we need to add to our always list of make the All-Star game actually better. <gasps> Let's have derby. a women's home run derby. Oh, like, my God. That would or be just a great a platform game. for that. What? Uh, Can we? What? A women's game. Well, yeah. Like, they have the bullshit celebrity softball tournament where everyone's kind of drunk except Bill Nye. Like, <laughs> come on, y'all. Yeah. But that I mean, would be a huge platform to make people realize that it exists. Holy especially crap. since more and more players don't even want to be in the home run derby. Let's let the women do the home run derby. I and then it'll serve a bonus of people who get interested and then people will get interested in women's baseball. Okay. Can we have like a combined women players and women celebrities home run derby? Because I really want to see Serena Williams try to hit one over the fence. And I oh, know that she fun. could do it. Yeah. I know she could do it. Honestly, a bunch of women hockey players could probably also do this. That too. Also, yeah. Erica Scherzer. I'm just going to plug her yeah. right there. She could yeah. do it. Picks uh, a ball and throws a wicked knuckleball. She could hit one over the fence. I worry that some other, someone in another professional sport might be hesitant because of the same like your swing screws up your batting average in the second half is your swing going to screw up I, your I don't know it's similar like, to your women's hockey season right that's uh, like winter no. yeah and yeah and i was thinking tennis specifically but yeah oh. <laughs> I, I think serena williams has some some other stuff going on such as uh winning grand slams in, in a 2-2 i know uh, i love her though i wish that she were a baseball player Yes, so say we all. But again, like she she went to a sport where there was money in it for women and it turns out everyone freaking watches it because she's amazing. And yeah. like it, it, this is just one of those things where it's just like it, there are there are so many at this point legitimate female athletes that are celebrities and you know like the the fact that the women's um the U.S. women's soccer team gets more mm -hmm. time and attention, but vastly less money than the men's, even though they are really, really good. Mm -hmm. And the men's are like, hello, no. we are drunk. You know, it's this is just, ugh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just sort of at a, at a cat noise place. I'm always at a so, cat noise place. but like I was going to say, you're always at a cat noise place. But if we've reached the podcast cat noise place, um, I would love to just wrap up our Women's Baseball World Cup conversation with the awards. So it. these are not awards from my heart. These are the actual awards that they gave at the end of the tournament. <laughs> there, there's, there's some overlap with the awards from my heart. I'll say that. You can make our, a post on our website with the awards from your heart with like our, emoji. I hey. So anyway, so um, <laughs> what I will just add, which was irritating, was that I couldn't actually find this list anywhere online. Um, so I would love to stick it on our website because other people might be looking for it, mm -hmm. and I actually had to go back and watch 
the video, I went through the whole WBSC, like all the news, all the roundups, all the, you know, reporting on the final games that they did. And I couldn't find this anywhere. Um, so maybe that'll change. But if not, um, I went back to the video and I pulled this out. So MVP, to nobody's surprise, um, was Ayami Sato from Japan. I think this was her third MVP award, but mm-hmm. I could be wrong. That I also had a lot of trouble finding. Um, but she did not, however, have the best ERA or the best one lost record. Not that pitcher wins and losses mean a whole lot. Um, but best one lost record was Chao Yan Huang from the Taiwan team, aka Chinese Taipei. Um, and best ERA was also from Taiwan, Yu Ying She. She had a zero ERA over 12 innings pitched. I mean, that's a um, good cat noise. <laughs> um, in batting, we had Yanilis Rivera from Puerto Rico, who batted 571. Um, what? Megan Baltzell only batted 500. Only. It goes, it I know. goes to 571? It's 571. I know. I know. So anyway, Megan Baltzell, in spite of not having the best batting average, because she only batted 500, um, she won for most RBIs, which was 11 and most home runs in this tournament, which was two. Um, in stolen bases, we had Ariana Garcia from Cuba. She stole nine. Wow. That's in like, what, a handful of games? Yeah. Like, like four? I don't know how many she appeared in. Like that. But I mean, the um, team itself only played like, what, four or six games? It's not a long tournament. <laughs> so I don't know how many, and I don't know how many she appeared in, but nine stolen bases in this tournament is quite a lot. Japan as a team stole a ton of bases, but it wasn't so much any one particular person. Um, as much as just they had a really great strategy for running and took advantage of pitchers who were really unprepared for that. Um, Runs scored. um, We had 12 from Luz Feliciano from Puerto Rico. Um, And then lastly, they just gave an award for outstanding offense. I'm not sure what factors went into it exactly, um, but outstanding offense went to Nozomi Abe of Japan. Hmm, I'm wondering, now I'm wondering, because if it's not, maybe it's just all, all, all around just Ruby's runs, stolen bases, and everything put together, not the top of every category, but the number two in every category. Yeah, I did think that was interesting. I don't know how... They they really didn't describe at all how they did that, and I couldn't find that anywhere on the WBSC website. So if anybody knows, I would really love to know if any of our listeners who report on women's baseball know or have a way to find out. Um, There really was not a whole lot on the WBSC website about these i think there was a mention of the mvp but other than that um these were awarded in the medal ceremony after the final game um just before they gave the medals for gold silver and bronze they did a set of awards and they also did an all tournament team um, which megan balsall was on yeah by the way and i can tell you ayomi asado at least is not on baseball reference that's absurd so like none of the none of these data which they did actually have like some some stat cast and stuff going on the field because I mean they're playing on a field that's equipped with all of that which is, mm-hmm. is wonderful in terms of actually hearing commentary and the commentary was the the play by play at least was pretty good but yeah the fact that the, none of these stats get translated to any particular place is just they are, yeah they are on the WBSC site there's a stats page um, but they're not they don't pull them in anywhere else as far as I know so Nozomi Abe hit nine triples. Nine? Wow. Nine? Sorry. 
No, nine total bases. I looked at that okay. fast. <laughs> I was going to say, if she hit nine triples, that would be right. <laughs> if she hit nine triples, we should sign her right now. Yeah, yeah, no. I saw T and thought triple. No, that was total bases. I apologize. But, yeah, I don't know. She had seven hits, four runs, two doubles, four RBIs, and hit 333. I don't see any strikingly obvious reason for her to have gotten outstanding offense. But I also only watched two of Japan's games. So... I'm sure there was something else going on there. Maybe it's just like who's the best five tool player, as you want to put it that way, or four yeah. tools if you take defense out of the equation. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. I, I I assume it really is just OR. Yeah. It might be like yeah, some so, kind of OR calculation. I'm not saying that they did it based on like the numbers, but I'm thinking it's like one of those things where it's like we're gonna just gonna take a bunch of stuff into into consideration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. They did also have there's a leaderboard up there as well, and so you can see it by average. Um. Yanelis Rivera was at 571. Taylor Grace Welch from Australia hit 517. Um. And then Megan Baltzell's. 500 actually brought her in at third for batting average, which is just staggering. That is silly. <laughs> That's what it is. I was I was in the show notes. I'm like, can we sign Ayami Sato? We don't have any pitchers anymore. Could we please? And I'm not being that facetious. I I don't see any compounding evidence that like <laughs> I don't know. She and Justin Williams are super different, except that she's better. Like, Justin Williams? We, this is our, our... We have a Justin Williams. Did I make him up? Do we? No, no, Justin Miller. Justin Miller. Justin Miller. Sorry, Justin Williams is a hockey player. So consider... He's probably a better pitcher than Justin Williams. We Just consider this our regularly scheduled call of, can we please draft Ayoi Sato? Because I think we say this literally every single time we talk about her. We do. But now especially. We, we definitely do. Pitchers. I would say I would also like, please... Jade Gortares. Okay. Um, Jade Gortares hit one home run and played outstanding shortstop across the tournament. And in fact, the main commentator whose name I did not catch was like obsessed with her, <laughs> like commented on her every time she was on screen in her own games and then brought her up consistently when he was talking about other games in which she was not playing. Yeah, I did notice that just a little bit. <laughs> so did she. She tweeted about it. Jade Gortares, you are the Mike Trout of this tournament. He actually, in one of the times, he basically said something like that. That basically, like, one of those people that you just want to see play, like a Mike Trout. <laughs> so. I, you know, I, I I was trying to transition into the fact that we have just, yeah. like... Lost all of our pitchers. <laughs> given away the store. for like, hello, would you like a semi-functioning relief pitcher? We're not using it. Jade Gortara's had an ERA of 0.93. There we go. Again, like... That's better than our bullpen. (laughs) Most things are better than our bullpen. Yeah, well, because, you know, I'm not sad to see Ryan... Ryan... uh, I'm super... Quote, unquote, I'm actually super racist, and I shut up about it when I came to to the Nationals, but, like, let's not forget that he is. Madsen, leave. I'm not upset about that at all. Boy, bye. I don't miss him, the man. I miss the having a bullpen with people in it. Right, just well, anybody. Like that kind of with arms. So we can we can load up the clown car, uh, <laughs> the bullpen clown car. Yeah, that's what Kay called it that last year, the clown car bullpen. Did I? I think so. Maybe just when you have like fourteen dudes sitting out there and they're all yeah. smushed up on the bleachers and like four of them are twelve. Yeah, I might and... have done oh, that. I meant the bullpen cart. Yeah. Oh, we but can even do that too. We can fit them all in the bullpen cart, right? So I feel like we should have this thing with the bullpen cart like two different ways. One, it comes out every game and no one ever rides it and it just runs around in a circle for fun. Or 
everybody gets in it and only the guy who's pitching gets out. <laughs> and it's just like, we don't play anyone's walk-up music. We just play like, or you know, yeah, walk-up music. We just play like a generic song. And so whoever circus comes music. out is a surprise. <laughs> just circus music. Yeah. Bob Hencart, if you are listening, we humbly request. Yeah. Or somehow I can participate in the president's race. Yeah. Yeah, I'm amazed they haven't actually done that yet, to be honest. Yeah, me too, frankly. I feel like they need to reenact the scene in Zoolander where they're all riding in the car and then they get in a gasoline fight, but in the bullpen cart. Or I just think, I just wonder if I might have figured it out. Worth Day is next Saturday. They might be waiting for Jason Worth to come here so he Mm. can win the president's race in In the the bullpen bullpen cart. I hope I didn't just jinx that out of existence. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to the Jason Earth Appreciation Day game. Yeah. Randomly. And so I'm just like, that will be that will be amazing. Yeah. Honestly, just at this point in the season, let Jason Worth take the bullpen cart. Not just like to the first baseline, but like to the mound. And just let him pitch. I just <laughs> F it. F it. <sighs> now I'm sad again. Yeah. Um I'm not sad to see Murphy go. All of Cubs Twitter realizing that Murphy can't move laterally. Uh, I feel very bad for the Cubs Twitter yeah. fans, but the, the Cubs, nice ones. They made the Cubs made their choices. The fans didn't make their choices. Yeah, like we've we've been in that mm-hmm. situation, obviously, and there's been a lot of of and and I think the Cubs report, at least the reporters, have been better about being like, "Yo, Murphy, you still a homophobe?" Murphy's like, mm-hmm. "Yes, yes, I am." And so, like, credit to them that it's not only he shut up about it, which he did on the Nationals, but like they actually called him out on it and then started him for freaking night out i i have a question on that well not a question but a theory on that um i feel like when murphy came to us it was just quiet in general and really the only reason people even knew about a lot of this stuff was because very specific fans like jen raised a stink like a justified stink about it and then now the stink has actually been raised so when he goes to the cubs the outrage and the knowledge is out there already Whereas when it came to us, it was quieter. Does that make any sense? Like It was. I, th- I think the fact that Jen had been raising a stink for so long had some impact. Yeah. I don't think that fully absolves oh. our beat reporters from and or just reporters in general on the Nats not asking him because the, it was very much out there. That was not that was not what I was saying. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make it sound like I was No, I don't mean the reporters. That. I'm just I was trying to like give credit to fans like Jen who made a stink yes, so that it was absolutely. unavoidable. Like, Absolutely. I give credit to Jen and to others like Kelly Wallace. Um, <laughs> I do in hindsight, I'm like, oh, oh, hey, our reporters could have asked him. Yeah. Imagine. It almost never occurred to me to push for that like the like some people were doing this time mm-hmm. around because I was like, I just didn't I just didn't think they would. Like, I didn't think they want they would. I I give a lot of credit to the Cubs reporters for asking. Um, but the result was turns out he's still a homophobe. Mm-hmm. What then? I and mean, so- at- is there another question you can ask? Are you a homophobe? Yep. Okay. Are you well, Are you going to stop being a homophobe? Nope. nope. I guess to me, the only thing that that really does benefit is all the people talking about how he's changed because he's friends with Billy Bean. That is true. It, uh. it does shut down to a degree. You know, some people are going to say what they're going to say and don't want to believe what they don't want to believe. But to a degree, it does shut down that. So that's the benefit that I think it has. That is very true. 
Um, I think that that you're absolutely right, and the the his using Billy Bean as sort of a shield of I've changed. That's not who I was. Blah 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 blah. I got one gay friend now. Yeah, one. You know, and he's paid to be that. Yep. <laughs> like, I want to be funny. clear. You know, the Cub- the Cubs also had um somebody who who I think is their head of communications who's a lesbian yeah. who was talking about I'm like you are literally paid hun like Billy Bean is paid by MLB you okay like you mm-hmm. you standing next to him makes him not not a homophobe you know this this is a case of like oh, just like yeah I'm I'm glad that people are making a, a bigger deal about it I'm glad that I, there's somebody on Twitter who calls him Westboro um, <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I, and so I'm glad that this is all is all sort of coming to light. Just be and, and hopefully it raises some money for charity. But yeah, like he just confirmed. Yep, still a homophobe. What else are we gonna do? Like he can't move laterally mm-hmm. in his apparent thinking or in his second basing. So <laughs> like, eh? Like what? What are we gonna do? Say bye. Don't let the door hit you. Bye bye bye. Bye bye bye. Sing song in anyone else's head right now. I was very happy to see him and Madsen both go for lots of different reasons, but and then I was sad for other players who left. Geo, I'm wearing my my Geo shirt right now. I wore mine to the game last night, and there were a lot of people also wearing them to the game last night, and I felt very painful solidarity with a lot of strangers. <laughs> um, I never had a Geo shirt or jersey, but Grace did her first one that she wore when we were first all going in college. And so he was like probably the second player whose name I knew. Kay, were you there for the tribute? Yeah. Was everyone crying? I honestly, like, I, I know I talk about crying and I usually mean that in a figurative sense, not a literal sense, but like I was getting teared up. I mean, um, was Gio crying? Gio was getting teared up as well. Um, oh. When he came out on, the, like the initial tribute was just, they played a lot of his highlights, although not my favorite when he face planted off the mound. That was adorable. <laughs> um, but like they played a lot of highlights of him running and laughing about having to run and his like home runs that he hit, not gave up. And, um, you know, the almost no hitter last year. And, and that was fine. And I was doing okay. And then he came out and we just, the stadium just would not stop clapping for him. And, like then his kids came out and started running around the field and he was chasing them. And I was like, I can't handle this right now. Like, and then they zoomed in on his face and you could see like tears in his eyes. And I was like, stop, please. It was really emotional. Yeah. Um, I thought I was going to be okay. And then the press conference after the game on Friday happened um, where his voice like breaks in the middle of it. Uh, And then I was just like, Nope, I'm not fine. Like I am, I am not okay. I haven't watched it, and I'm not going to be, or at least I need some d- distance because I will probably start bawling. Gio was my first love on this team, like first, like real sustained love on this team. And we, it, like everyone, just following obviously the trade news, everyone on Twitter is like, "Here is our really heartwarming, nice Gio Gonzalez story." Yeah, it's uh, amazing. You know, K, the the one the one I related was K and I were at season ticket holder appreciation day. What, like two years ago? So we were between, um, we were in an ideal spot because we were between two grandmas. And one of them just wanted to talk to a bunch of players in Spanish, which was adorable and was kind of like hilarious. And then the other one was a, a longtime season ticket holder who had seats right next to the the dugout entrance. Um, and she had like the previous game 
moved and given someone else her seats. Um, in talking with her, we're like, oh, do you know the players? Blah, blah, blah. She's like, yeah, I know all of them. Like, they come and they give me hugs. And we're like, do you have a hug ranking? And she did. And I was like, I have seen my future. And it's amazing. <laughs> um, Gio was, of course, number one in, in the hug ranking with Rendon as number two. So, like, yeah. We all knew. Um, But so she had moved the previous game. So Gio came up and like hugged her and like kind of did like the double handhold and was like, I didn't see you last game. I was worried about you, my love. Are you okay? Like, are you feeling well? And she, she explained that she had just moved and it was just like the sweetest thing. Like it was just so nice and concerned in a, in a place that he didn't need to be in a just totally genuine and unforced way. It was just such like decent human being yeah. in such close proximity that I think Kay and I were both like that little hard eyes emoji. <laughs> um, during the whole interaction. I mean, I, I, I said this on Twitter, but we've spent a lot of t- entirely justified time talking about things that are bad and players who do bad things, especially lately. But it was really nice on Friday. And then subsequently to that, like the outpouring of like, Geo is an angel. Geo has never done anything wrong in his entire life. Like, He's not perfect. Obviously, he's not perfect. But in terms of like the way we think about him, like I was Googling him yesterday because I needed to find some embarrassing pictures of him to show to someone who hadn't seen them. But nothing is coming up when you Google Gian Gonzalez, except I love him so much. He's so great. Look at him being goofy. Like, yeah, like, it's nice to celebrate someone who's actually good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, the Dan on Twitter, mm-hmm. the one who's married to Beth, really summed it up the best. Um and what he said was, I see a consistent theme in Nats fans' tweets about Gio Gonzalez. Lesson, how you treat other people is your legacy. You okay? I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm sorry, Kay. That was Sydney. That was Sydney? Your uh, cat noises sound similar. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. And and FP posted something similar of just, like, how you're always going to be remembered is, like, how you were as a teammate and how you treat other people. And it and, and Kay's absolutely right. Like, this is, it's wonderful in a lot of, to just have that, that confirmed over and over and over again. Um, that it's just a bunch of people talking about how Gio was nice to them when he didn't need to be or have any, like, like if he had just been, like, not unnice, it would have been a fine thing, but, like, was actively really nice and thoughtful and caring. And to just have that as, like, the person that we thought you were is the person who you actually are, mm-hmm. um, given given all of the, the bullshit of this past season. Um, and, you know, pe- people were like, well, you know, bye, Gio, you struggled this season, whatever. And everyone's like, he was really good last season. He's had glimmers of brilliance this season. Like, I, I was bracing myself for, okay, right now everybody's sad and emotional, but, like, tomorrow we're going to get all the bad takes. I didn't see any bad takes. Like, no one was like, well, sorry, Gio, get out of here. Your ERA is terrible. Like, uh, it just... Don't go into Chelsea Jane's mentions. Yeah, but I that's would, just a yeah. good rule for life. <laughs> Chelsea, well, like, wherever you are, we all owe you a beer. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, it, it, I kept waiting for it to turn, the general tide to turn, let me put it that way. Because, obviously, no matter who it was, there were going to be people in Chelsea Jane's mentions. Like, Gio could have hit, hit pitched six no-hitters this season, and there would have been people in Chelsea Jane's mentions complaining about him. So... Um, but like the general tide did not seem to shift to that. And I was bracing for it and it hasn't happened. Not quite. Yeah, I like, 
So wow. what I really need is a Nationals legacy tour that consists of Geo, <laughs> Clipper, mm. Desmond, Michael Morse mm. would be my top four. I know yeah. I'm probably missing some. And I just wanted like a collective hug. <laughs> I would also like to be in that pile for different reasons. <laughs> um, speaking of Ian Desmond, there's a video of him slapping and getting slapped in the face. And I'm sorry, Ian Desmond. And I'm so sorry, Chelsea. Uh, so For my thoughts and my actions. <laughs> it's not just you. I saw somebody else tweeted, I'll be in my bunk. Yeah, I mean, which someone, just points for the Firefly reference as well. It, uh, it leaves you feeling some kind of way. I, I my favorite my favorite one was probably someone who was like, I have this theory that Ian Desmond owns twelve different leather jackets and looks good but differently good in each one of them. <laughs> I, I mean, that seems like just a fact, though. I mean, I feel like I don't yeah. need to actually see visual proof of that to know that that's true. Yeah, like, I mean, everyone's like, and also he probably smells really good. And I'm like, yeah, he probably does. I I have not had an actual, like, legitimate interaction with Ian Desmond ever, but I did once physically bump into him in a hallway and can confirm. <laughs> oh my god, really? <laughs> I didn't realize who I had bumped into until it was too late, and then I had a heart attack, and then I was, like, paralyzed. <laughs> we, have we been podcasting with a ghost this whole time? <laughs> you can survive heart attacks. I, I mean, I wouldn't have. I would have just been like, I have expired. I mean, it was, it was like... It was like looking into the sun, like. <laughs> but so but it, apparently, but the sun smelled good. So apparently, Desmond's new like pregame hype prep thing is in the dugout. He and another player on the Rockies will slap each other in the face. Oh my god! Yeah, we. Uh, so this I, is a, a repeated occurrence then. Apparently, well, no, we're going that face. Oh my I god! Know. We're going to Denver end of September for the Nationals Rocky series, so I will try to get as close to the dugout to see if I can see in person if this actually happens. Send okay. video. Send video. Other will... thoughts. Put me in Rocky's catcher's gear. <laughs> Let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw you into the dugout and hope nobody notices. Yes. <laughs> Aren't you Sir, a little short for a catcher? I look great in purple is the point of this. <laughs> So does Ian Desmond. So does Ian Desmond. Ian Desmond looks good in everything, and let's be real. If, Noel, if Nolan Arenado was the other side of the smacking thing, like all of baseball Twitter would be ghosts. <laughs> I'm really excited to go to because you know living in Seattle, obviously don't get to see the Nationals lots. So we're super excited to see them play in Denver. The one thing I'm going to miss, I wasn't a huge Jason Worth fan. I'm just going to say it out there, but there was. Every time I watched the game on Madison, there was that little girl in her family, and she was obsessed with Worth. Mm -hmm. Oh, they, yeah! They always had a story about her. And so the one thing I want to miss about him not playing anymore is not being able to see that interaction. Because she always sat in the outfield near him. Like, there's no connection to DC. She just loves him. Her family is, like, always bundled up because, you know, it's cold in Colorado and she is just like super pumped when he was playing. Oh. Is that Jude? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Jason Worth needs to just like, I don't know, show up at her school one day. Yes. You know. Show and tell. Show <laughs> and tell. No. They've definitely met. Absolutely yeah. have. And they've done some like cancer research fundraisers collectively. Mm -hmm. um, I, I So Chelsea Janes posited on Twitter um, that the Nationals fan base tends to be like more forgiving and ha hangs on to former players much longer than others. 
and I I don't really have a control group. Like I can't compare it to like anybody, but like I don't know the Mets who seem to be like, yeah, f that guy um, about everyone. But I I have to think that it's in part because like everyone grew up as a baseball fan with these guys with this yeah. specific group of guys. Yeah. So like you had the sort of like 2006 through 2011 and I'll let Hannah speak to, to <laughs> the various, did you really love Josh Wellingham question? But like, you know, there's that, but then like the, the sort of 2011 through 2014 guys, everyone is just like, I will hang on to you until like we both expire mm-hmm. from this earth. But I think very specific ones. Not everybody from that era is is remembered with that fondness. I'll say that. The yeah, caveat. like Xavier Sendeño is now on the Brewers, and I was like, oh, him. Yeah. Or who remembers Xavier Nady? I do. Okay. Um, and certainly, no one ha- looks back on affection with Niger from Niger Morgan. Hana loved Niger Morgan. Are I loved kidding? him for a while. I did. Okay. Okay. To be fair, I. I- I was a fan of him, but when he was traded to the Indians, he was then called Tony Plush. And so I love the fact that he just embraced Cleveland and that persona. And I'm like, you do you. You do you. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to say, like, we, we, we currently have the, the Roger Bernadina fan group on the podcast yes. right now. How would you like to talk about Roger Bernadina and his abs? And the amazing catch he made playing against the Astros way back when. I was trying uh, to find that. Yes, that I, I think I watched that video a million gajillion times because that's a real number because I was like, you are the man and I love you. The only time I almost willingly waded into a baseball commentary at fight was over that video because um, it was like being voted as the ESPN web gem. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, but Trout. And I was like, look at the video. No. Like, I was like, I don't like them. Don't I feel like them. I feel like Mike Trout might get some other awards. Give this one to Roger Bernadina. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, I, I think he's in either Japan or Korea. Is he still playing? I think he's in Korea. Yeah. Or he was. I don't know if he still currently is, but I know he was. Yeah, his team won the the um, championship. Nice. Um, is the last I sort of saw of him. But, like... Yeah, he's still in Korea. But, like, yeah, just, just give this one to Roger Bernadina. Like, <laughs> I feel like baseball is going to remember Mike Trout slightly differently. I remember Roger Bernardina as a great player. I remember Mike Trout as a pair of pleated front khakis. So. <laughs> <laughs> but like, Hada, you have nationals that you you love beyond all reason from prior to 2012. Um, yes, I do. So I have been, <laughs> um, Ryan Zimmerman is, is my one true love. So K to Gio, Hana to Zimmerman. It's just a thing. I loved him through all the ups and downs, especially that season he was hurt. And then he had the gem season last year. And I'm like, I have loved him through all the years. <laughs> I liked him before it was cool. Exactly. Um, and I finally, I've been a fan since the Nationals moved back to D.C. I finally got a Zimmerman jersey this past year. It's taken me a long, long time, I know. But my love for him is deep. Other you loves. Had a, you had a jersey, right? The one that was signed by Ryan yes. Church. So yeah, summer '06 when <laughs> Did I met. You want to, I'm sorry, this is a deep cut story. Um, no, no, no. Summer '06 when now my now husband they had something about meeting Ryan Church at ESPN Zone downtown DC, and we went and we got autographs from him. And middle-aged men were talking about his high school baseball stats, which was a little odd, but we thoroughly enjoyed it. 
and we got his autograph on a shirt and a hat. How many people were there, by the way? Like 12? Uh, uh, 20 or 30. That's we were good. That's yeah, good we, it, it wasn't bad. And I was just like, hey, why not? We get to meet a Nats player at ESPN Zone. This is the one by Metro Center where it was really in the basement? No. But yeah. I'm also sensing a sort of familial theme of having a player's jersey signed by a totally different player. Exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. It was a Zimmerman jersey signed by another Ryan. <laughs> I love my my Clipper jersey signed by by Drew Storen. It is framed. It is next to my wedding photo, and it is bigger. <laughs> I think if there's one thing we've said more times on this podcast than anything else, it's that fact. <laughs> it's a great fact. It it's, was actually, it's a great fact. It is the way to understand Sydney in a single sentence. I was filling out a form, I don't know, a few months ago, and I was putting in some of my old supervisor's names, and one of them is his first name is Craig, last name starts with an S. And I literally wrote in Craig Stammen, and it took <laughs> me like five to ten minutes to realize, wait a minute, that's not my actual supervisor's name. Shout out to Craig Stammen. Love you. Love you, boo. <laughs> I mean, like when when former players come back and we're like, oh, we love Wilson, you know, Ramos, he's wonderful. He's such a nice guy. And then Craig Stammen and Nat's Twitter is like, you handsome. We love you. Look at those calves. Or my my brush in with Willie Harris um, photo and autograph. So we were in Billings, Montana, going to a Billings Mustang game. They were playing the Great Falls Voyagers. Um, and we're sitting behind the Great Voyagers dugout, and I'm like, that looks a lot like Willie Harris. And then for the entire game with Mitch and his family, I proceed to regale them all about Willie Harris's tenure as a national. (laughs) And then after the game, I like yelled out to him and got a photo with him and his autograph, and it was great. And he was on the Nats for a couple of years, and didn't he say that he barely remembers those years? That is not true. He was like, he, well, I mean, to be fair, he was originally drafted by, I believe, the White Sox. Um, and so I think it was more the point of, like, really remember those years of me being in D.C. versus my other years on other teams. I, I mean, you do know a lot of facts about Willie Harris. I do. He made amazing catches, especially playing against the Mets in New York. Just ridiculous catches. And I just remember a few games when he would be starting, they would, like, boo him because he just got all the batters out. And it was great. Oh, he was a Nets. He was a, a Mets killer. Yes, he was a Mets oh. killer. Oh, mm-hmm. we do love Favorite. a Mets killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of, um, you know the other person who's on the Brewers now, Curtis Ooh. Granderson. Curtis Granderson, love of my life, love of your life, but Nationals murderer, Kurt Curtis mm-hmm. Granderson. I know. I was always amazed when they would show his stats, and I would be like, "Wait a minute, are we the only team he's hitting like this?" Yes. And then we it are. Be, yes. We very much are the only team he's hitting like this. And it's been like transcendental across pitchers, across seasons, across ballparks. Like, I don't have an explanation, nor does I think anybody have an explanation for why Curtis Granderson is such a Nats killer, but he is. He is spiritually linked to the team. Like, oh God, Curtis Granderson is back <laughs> in the National League. <laughs> no, like, like, we're not. Well, like, the season is stick a fork in it. And, like, and we're fair, yeah. We're done. In so. fairness, we're playing the Brewers exactly one more time, so yeah. I don't think we need to, like, worry. <laughs> I'm gonna worry. <laughs> I was so disoriented when I woke up this morning. I had had the radio broadcast coming out of my phone next to my head in bed last night because it was, you know, the two-hour rain delay. And I don't typically fall asleep with any noise. Like, any noise. I've never fallen asleep during a radio broadcast like that. But I remember the rally 
and then nothing. <laughs> and I woke up this morning and I was like, what happened to the ninth? Where was oh. the ninth? And then I looked and I was like, oh. We won. No, you just you just fell asleep, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> like I woke up with my phone still next to my head and it bat still up. One of the gyms I found was Zerman's 11 career walk-off home runs. Oh. Yes. So uh, that's a win, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah. He, he's the, the issue with career walk-off home runs is that we sometimes are losing in the bottom of the ninth. Yes. Doesn't yes. make for exciting games. Right, right. It means we're losing when we shouldn't be. Whatever. But it means that Zimmerman, you know, still is Zimmerman. And I love him. This, the list of people with 10 plus or now 11 plus is really short, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really like, what, like four or five people ahead of Zim on that list? Yep. And in terms of active players, only Pujols has the most yeah. walk-off home runs. He has 12. Zimmerman has 11. So time. Some can pass him. I believe him. My my favorite, and Sydney got me a lovely poster commemorating it, was March 30th, 08. Zerman hit a walk-off home run in the first game in the new Nats Park. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the classic. That's the That is the classic. Yeah. Is that the number one? Is that what we're ranking that? That is I my mean, number one. Um he, he was like a little baby. It's he was a little special. baby. He was still playing third, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. His shoulder. Uh, but yeah, he was still playing. He didn't transition to first until like 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember him at third. He was and a good my, third baseman. My baseball lifespan really only started <laughs> nationals in 2012. Yeah. And then I realized that he was such a looking baby because he used to have a pretty good butt chin. And <laughs> he, he no longer has his butt chin. I had many conversations with Mitch about how much I liked his butt chin. <laughs> Don't ask why. That's so and, true. I never noticed it went away. Yeah. And then it just went away. And I'm like, but where did it go? <laughs> Maybe it's when he went from third to first. Maybe that's yeah. what happened. You move just across the off. diamond in your chin shape. <laughs> Speaking of chins that are surprisingly shaped, Andrew McCutcheon. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't like thinking about it. I don't like thinking about it. Yeah, I think he looks cute. I, the Yankees are monsters. <laughs> the fact that he had to hold his child while shaving to show his son that it was still going to be him after he shaved his facial hair was simultaneously the sweetest and most awful thing that has ever occurred on the planet. Look, my dad shaved his beard for the first time in my life when I was four and I freaked out at him. It's perfectly reasonable. This doesn't, it's not like people just do this. But he had to do it. Yeah, because otherwise he would have had, well, I guess his kid's too young for this. What happened when my dad shaved his beard on his birthday the year I was four and my sister was seven was we both started screaming at him that we didn't like daddies without beards. And my sister screamed at my mom to get the face paints um, when she found out that it was going to take more than a day to grow back. When my dad did it to me when I was like four, I screamed at my mom to make him put it back. <laughs> yeah, I, My point is, this is normal. This is not like the ultimate in evil of like the Yankees making people shave. And don't get me wrong, the rule is A, stupid, and B, racist. But I don't think it's the end of the world that he had to show his kid that it was still him. I, I think that's pretty typical. No, but it was so sweet. But also just, you're just like, just let him keep the freaking facial hair. What well, is yeah. the Yankees penalty? Because we talk a lot about their clean shaven rule and their short haircut rule and yada, yada, yada. But like, I've never actually looked up what their penalty is if you just say, yeah, but I'm not gonna. 
Like, do you not get to play? Do they fine you? And then if so, what do the Yankees do with that money? Because it's not <laughs> like they need it. <laughs> like, That's a really good question. I don't know. I don't know that they've ever publicized what it would be. I don't know if anybody's ever. Someone's going to be like, I'm holding on to this stupid mustache. Yankees, do your worst. And like, <laughs> they hold them down. His Mario mustache, which was <laughs> amazing. I think he's growing the beard back in and I'm super bummed about it because I hate mustaches and I really liked that one. <laughs> that was an amazing mustache. I mean, Tanner really Roark's facial mm. hair mm. extravaganza. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh no no Mm-mm. he looked like he looked like he was present he looked like Chester A Arthur Tiana like, <laughs> <laughs> Roark is Chester A Arthur I'm calling it you heard it here first <laughs> the next president in the president's race is just gonna be Tiana Roark in an old timey suit <laughs> with some like baby powder in his hair and some yeah I mean he can run he did play football in high school did he play football did Tiana play football he, he might have played football in high school I don't know. I feel Adam Eaton made that mustache, which on anyone else would have been like a horrible pedophile mustache. Yeah. But he was just, he looked like Mario. He just so looked like Mario. I'm just yes. calling yes. him Mario Mario from now until probably next year when I forget. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> bye Spanky. Hello, Mario. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, I want Juan Soto to try to grow a mustache. No, please don't. Can we dare him? I want to dare him to do that. I can grow a okay. better one. Thank you. Uh, did you guys see when when they interviewed him yesterday about? No. Uh, oh yeah, someone uh, they asked him like what he was gonna because he was in like that little mini slump and then he's he's out of it and like what what is he gonna do? And he just said keep doing Juan Soto things. That is <laughs> iconic. Yeah. That is better than clown question, bro. I, and I'm just like that's the freaking shirt. Yeah, yep. I'm, I'm, I bet breaking tea is already making it. Well, it's because every time he does something, they tweet that, like, Juan Soto doing Juan Soto things, mm-hmm. and he clearly is reading his own press, which I would too, buddy. But yeah, I want to challenge him to grow a mustache. On the one hand, I want to see if he can because he's just a baby, but on the other hand, he's just a baby, and it's going to turn out really badly, and I don't want that for him. He's got such a sweet little face right now. Don't ruin it. I have to look at Michael A. Taylor's attempt at facial hair every single time he's on the big board, which is not nearly enough because they're not letting him play lately. But I don't want to have to see it on Juan Soto. Although I think Juan Soto could probably grow better facial hair than Mikey T. I'm just saying it. I think he he has it in him. He looks older than Michael A. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think almost everybody could grow better ha- facial hair than Michael A. Taylor, but I don't want to like find out if one Taylor, uh, one Taylor. <laughs> so, so Mikey is twenty five, and Juan obviously is nineteen. Well, everybody's different. Yeah, it's okay. I just I don't want to I don't want to have to be confronted with it. Because now yeah. watch, he'll do it for player photo day, and then I'll have to uh, then I'll have to suffer through it all season long, like Ian Desmond's terrible mustache. That was amazing. <laughs> the only person who ever pulled that off successfully, and it was awesome, was Danny Espinosa's handlebar. Point of order: Michael A. Taylor is twenty-seven. He's twenty-seven. He's he was born in nineteen ninety-one. He is fifteen. Fifteen. <laughs> I mean, I got carded at Nats Park a couple of times ago. I imagine he did too. Okay, well, I'll just have to put that in my mental Rolodex of Nats ages as older than me because I think of him as in the within the year of the my age crew, nope. which is like Bryce and Trey. Nope. Uh, Mike Michael A. First of all, he's apparently a big soccer fan, and so was just over um, during the United game, like milling around. So if anyone wants to to go find Michael A. Taylor, he apparently, if they have a day game and there's a soccer night game, just goes over there. <laughs> nice. um, but I imagine got carded. <laughs> <laughs> 
Although I out of the uniform, when I see him in like like civilian clothes, as it were, he does look closer to his age. I think there's something about the like uniform that very much ages him down, especially the batting helmet. The batting helmet makes his head look small. Yeah. I think that's some of it. And and it makes his eyes look big. Oh yeah, they are pretty big. <laughs> I mean, he's a precious baby deer, and the fact that three people independently decided to call him Bambi is mm-hmm. is is a fact. Yep. I I think I don't know. I can't speak for other fan bases. I feel we are good at loving players despite themselves sometimes well beyond their Nationals tenure. Despite their playing. Yeah. Um, despite personality things that don't deserve. Jen showed me a um, scorecard that she got yesterday that was from 2009. And the I immediately zeroed in on good old Adam Dunn. And I was like, oh, mm. Adam Dunn. Oh, he was a rough 34. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old Adam Dunn. He's younger than us, isn't he? No, he's not. like just older than us. Mileage. He's older than he is. Thirty-eight. Okay. So, this is the second time where you thought I was the same age as freaking Chase Utley. I okay. <laughs> I will break your legs. I have not said anything close to that. I said not that much older than us. That uh, is an objective statement of fact. Not calling either of us as old as them. I, I would like to note that Kike Hernandez wanted his player's weekend jersey to be Chase is my daddy. Wait, that full sentence now? Yes. That's what he said in an interview. Oh, yeah. And everyone's like, we have some questions. <laughs> no, we don't. We know. We have no questions. <laughs> I mean, nothing's going to beat uh, Rich Hill, but like, yeah, no. Hannah, do you know what Rich Hill's player's weekend jersey was? No. D Mountain, where the D is for dick. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> hmm. I don't know, you know what's happening with the Dodgers, but I think there might be like I don't know drugs in the water. It's something. Something's in the water for sure. Like, I mean, I feel like the D Mountain was you see again see a chance, take the chance. I can't oh, get yeah. over um Big Angus. I will not be over Big Angus until I die. <laughs> Who is Big Angus? Sammy Solis. Oh, oh right. Yeah. But then we didn't see him. Yeah. I forgot about that. I mean, oh, he buddy. gone with the hammer, but like I, I was think- trying to formulate a joke when when Madsen left uh, and Solis got called up as a result of Madsen leaving of of something about a rare case where where Solis was less of a dick than someone else. Um, <laughs> but I couldn't make it work in text very well. Small <laughs> like dick. Is we yeah. what you wanted the freezing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, our parents listen to this podcast. That's tremendously nice of them. My dad got through about 20 minutes of the first one and said, turn it off. I don't like it. I would say our parents, this was, I don't know, they won it at some school auction. We got a baseball signed by Mr. Gary Majeski. And they didn't really know who he was, but he was like, he was a Nationals player, and we got a baseball sign. I'm like, and how much did you bid on it? Like, $5, maybe? (laughs) Just had to look up who that was. Oh, in 2012, he was signed by the Sugarland Skeeters. That is an amazing name. I mean, I, I want it to rename the San Diego team the San Diego Grain Beetles. <laughs> yeah, that was a disgusting press release. I'm just like, hey, look, no matter no matter what the Nationals are doing, n- nothing as far as we know is infested with grain beetles. They have I a mean, couple more giveaways to go. So. Spiritual grain beetles? Yes. <laughs> Literal grain beetles? Not yet. I feel like we have spiritual grain beetles. Or something. <laughs> On that downer of a note, I think we should probably uh, move towards the end here. 
Speaking um, of spiritual grain beetles. Yeah. So Expanded Roster, as I said, launched. Um, one of the things that people should go read is the interview Kelly Wallace did with both Sean and Aaron Doolittle about, and it, it's a first of, of two parts, um, about just a variety of things, including, you know, using their, their platform for social issues, which they've talked about a lot, and, you know, sort of being thoughtful. And, and Sean was talking about Trey um, as sort of, praising him a little bit about uh trey's apology being like the only one where you know the bora player was like not like oh i said these things when i was 17 so whatever but like it's the fact that i said these at all and i'm like that's nice it took a lot of tooth pulling to get there but okay and that Uh, he also pointed out the communities he heard that was another thing that sean was pointing out which we also pointed out and that I also wanted to to mention beyond expanded roster, and people should should be reading that because the mm-hmm. the coverage initially is really good of, of the women's baseball world cup, of the Doolittles, variety of other things. Um, we got invited to do uh, what's called short relief for baseball prospectus, which are short weekly pieces about like things in baseball. Yeah. Um. So you can read the first one I did, which was about Trey Turner apologies um and by short i mean minus 600 words when it was supposed to be 300 uh shout out to patrick for allowing me to do that but is about sort of the the idea of apologies aren't just for the person you're apologizing to when you're an adult in a situation because i i basically was talking about like as a teacher um being a like i had to model how you apologize and when you apologize in addition to just apologizing when you're in a i could i say maybe when you're in a position of sort of like higher power than you know if it's not you me and you apologizing to each other people are looking up to you in a teacher situation or in a baseball player famous situation yeah and the idea that like kids don't know how to apologize it's something that's a learned skill um, I've sort of harped on like the 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 three components of an actual apology are like acknowledge that you actually did something wrong, actually say I'm sorry, which a lot of people don't do, mm-hmm. and then like commit to and here's how I will change in the future. Like and without those sort of three components, um, to me it's always just kind of lip service. And I and I'll be honest, I kind of felt that. Trey's thing even though he did a better apology and did like the first one and a half of those it's the third action component that's really missing and maybe that's just me holding no people to an artificial standard I agree but like in working with kids kids will say I'm sorry but like I'm just like okay one why are you sorry two how are you sorry and three like if you're gonna do the same thing again don't bother like don't bother to, to apologize. It's the it's the action that you that have shown that you've grown and changed. Right. So I know this is a recap, but anyway, you're, you're going to see it every week. Uh, some of the ones that we have in draft, I think, are about the Women's Baseball World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I have one about uh, naming uh, teams after various local crypto uh, cryptozoids, cryptids. There we go, cryptids, um, and just a var- and a variety of other short sometimes fun sometimes serious pieces uh but you know i i'm pretty excited about that as an opportunity and you know if there's anything that anyone ever is like you guys should write about this please like let us know yeah it's very and- exciting we're we're gonna work you already are and we are all gonna be on baseball perspectives it's pretty cool um before we totally leave cryptids and or Doolittle, um davy is saying that he's ostensibly gonna be back this week so but hopefully we'll see him pretty soon yeah, tw- 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 indeed. Was Sean Doolittle a cryptid just now? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, he's got a big beard, and we hadn't seen him in a while. <laughs> and he, um, you know, I, his feet are probably larger than normal. Yeah, I don't know what else you need. I like it. So for for queer fancy stats, as y'all know, uh, Murphy was traded to Chicago. So what Jen decided to do was to end August's DC donation on the day of the trade. Um, so the final DC donation for August was $50.96 to the Wanda Alston House. Um, Wanda Alston Foundation provides housing services for LGBT youth, and it's an excellent, excellent organization. Um, so again, that was $50.96 house, 96 cents to Wanda Alston. And then after that, we have shifted gears into the Cubs regular season, meaning that we have shifted to Chicago organizations. Um, so if anybody is interested in continuing to match, the remainder of the season will be going to Howard Brown Health in Chicago, which is the Midwest's largest provider of health and wellness for the LGBTQ community and people living with HIV. Um, so that'll be September, and we will let you know what that comes out to. Um, the other donations, in case you missed it, we are doing donations to Lost and Found, for the Braves, Lost and Found is or an organization for LGBTQ youth in Atlanta. Um, and so that is at $31 so far. And then we are playing the Braves again on the weekend of the 14th. So it'll be updated then. Um, and then lastly, the Brewers, that donation is ongoing depending on haters' appearances in this series. And then when we face them, Oh, no, just the series. This is the last time we're facing them. Mm -hmm. um, so as of right now, we are at $9.95 to Diverse and Resilient, um, which is an organization in Wisconsin, which provides community and health services for LGBT individuals in Wisconsin. So you've got a nice set of options. Um, obviously, that was a lot, though. So if you weren't taking notes and you want the full recap to know who to donate to and how much and check out the spreadsheet for yourself... Um, you can always find that at Queer Fancy Stats on Twitter. For us on Twitter, we're Resting Pitch Face with no G. Uh, links to that are also on our website, restingpitchface.com, where you can find uh, email address for ways to contact us, links to our merch store, and from time to time, occasional bonus content. Probably be linking some things there uh, later today or to my, tomorrow. With that, thank you, Hannah, for joining us. It was really thank nice you. to have you here to 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 reminisce about the nets and sort of keep things in perspective i guess you're welcome and if it's helpful to know mitch has a shirt for matt lucroy catcher from 06 you know to really put things in perspective <laughs> of people yes the season has not gone the way that we all wanted it to i know but it is okay it is still baseball there are still some great players on the team throughout the year that you can still hold on to and appreciate and love. I would like to note that Hannah is a, is a mental health professional. Yes, I am. And she is not speaking <laughs> as a mental health professional right no, now. No, I am not. Um, but like, I feel that that bleeds over a little bit. I, I will say I went to visit uh, her and, and her husband in Seattle um, in what, like, it was April. It was like mid-April and we were in like mid-national suck before you know it got hot in may and then it's been up and down obviously and we're sitting and eating dinner and just like talking about lasting's millage and we're like y'all it could be worse 
<laughs> it has been. Like, it has been. And we've lived through it. And somehow you have a signed jersey from Ryan, uh, Ryan, Ryan signed jersey. And you can find joy in, like, Roger Bernardino's catch catches all these years later. So, like, mm-hmm. we should all probably uh, unruffle our, our dander and settle down. Absolutely. And Justin Maxwell hitting a grand slam. I believe it was 08 is the last game played at Nats Park. It wasn't the last game of the season, but it was the last game at Nats Park for the 08 season. So find those moments of joy and hold on to them for dear life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good advice. It's very good advice. (laughs) I think we'll we'll, we'll end on that. I'm Kay. I'm Laura. I'm Sydney. I'm Hannah. Let's go, Nats. Let's go, Nats. Let's go Nats. Let's go Nats. Please come back, Tyler. It's just not the same since you went away. We really miss your eyewear. And the way you confuse batters at the plate. There's a seat for you right next to Drew. And we need you to pitch the A. Besides, there's no other 